was chosen by God. He was given supernatural strength and power, which he used and abused. He stood up for his people. However, he made many bad choices. Welcome to a new series on Samson. And I gotta tell you, this is not only a series for men, but I really believe this is also a series about women. Because Samson was not only very, very strong, he was also extremely good looking. Now, normally, when I uh, prepare a message, I usually try to find pictures, any kind of artwork on the person from the Bible that I will teach on. And normally you are happy if you find two to three pictures uh, from somebody on the Bible, any kind of artwork in a high resolution. But if you put in the name Samson, it's a whole different thing. You end up with hundreds of pictures and paintings and artwork and drawings about this ever the same person. Samson really seems to be a very, very famous person. It's really funny because um, last day, yesterday, I had uh, my kids in the car and I realized this whole topic of being strong is something very important to us, especially to my kids. I was driving the car and I realized my kids are are getting into a discussion that might end in a fight. And if you are a well-experienced dad, you know that you have to um, react soon or early enough to uh, prevent a bad fight with blood and everything. So I, I tried to listen what they are discussing. And I realized they are discussing on the question, who is stronger? And I heard my son saying, I am stronger than you. You know, he is two years younger than his sister. And my daughter, she became angry and she said, no, I'm older than you. I am stronger. And he said, no, I am stronger. And she said, no, I am stronger. And I realized, oh, this is going anywhere. So they started to compare. So my son said, I can lift up Papa with one hand. And then she said, oh, I can lift Papa with just one finger. And then he said, oh, I can lift up the car with one hand. And she said, oh, I can lift up the car with one finger. And I said, okay, this is going nowhere. So my son was very smart. But when they started to talk about who, is more, who can lift up the house, he said, I am going to lift up the house. He made a very good detail. He said, I'm going to lift up a double house with one billion floors. So he kind of stepped out of the pattern of this fight and my daughter didn't know how to react. So he, he won this fight on this discussion, who is stronger. Now this story of Samson is um, fascinating, but also tragic. Very, very tragic. The story of Samson begins in the book of Judges, and the book of Judges comes right after the book of Joshua. The whole um, period of 
um, the judges of Israel was the first time when Israel was supposed to live without a strong leader. They had Moses for 40 years. They had Joshua for the last few years. But no, they had no longer any kind of leader. Joshua gave his very, very best to explain this young nation of Israel that they have to stick to themselves, that they have to stay together because they were surrounded by other countries and other nations that had totally different moral standards than the Israelites. Now, the law of God was very young and fresh. And God told the Israelites over and over again, that they were not supposed to associate with the other nations that were around them because they were not believing in Yahweh. They were believing in all kinds of gods, doing all kinds of bad stuff, believing totally different moral standards. So one of the last um, sentences that Joshua said to the leaders of the Israelites was this, Joshua 23, verse 7. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do you not invoke the names of their God or swear by them? You must not serve them or bow down to them. Now, this is what Joshua tells the people before he dies. And now comes the story of the judges. And this whole story, this whole few years and decades of Israel are very, very sad. Because it's always the same pattern. The Israelites, they forget a little bit about their God. They forget more and more where their security and their wealth comes from. And more and more they start to associate, start to marry people from the other nations that were around them. And sooner or later, the problem came up. They lost their security. They lost their national freedom. Sooner or later, they got into trouble. And they always did the same thing. All of a sudden, they went on their knees and said, Oh, God, we are your people. Did you not tell us that you will always stick with us? Did you not tell us that you will always help us? So they prayed and they cried and they said, oh God, please. And then God always sends a judge. God calls a man and sometimes even a woman like Deborah. And he calls them to be a judge. Not in, like in a legal way, but more like a fighter for justice. And so the story of Samson begins exactly with the same situation. The Israelites are into trouble. Judges 13, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. Next verse. A certain man of Sora named Manoah from the clan of the Danites had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, You are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So God calls a man who is still in the womb to be the next judge, to be the next deliverer, the next fighter for freedom. And he calls him to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite was a man who made a promise to God that he will not do the three things. 
First, he promised, he sweared that he will never cut his hair. Okay, if you wanted to be a Nazarite, a man who is dedicated to God, um, dedicated, cut away from the, from the ordinary life, but totally dedicated to God, you were not allowed to cut your hair. Now, ladies, I have to tell you something very bad. They were also not allowed to cut their beard. So if you are thinking Samson is this great-looking guy, you know, the body of, of Sylvester Stallone in the 80s, maybe the, the face of Brad Pitt, maybe the voice of the Terminator who was just in Zurich this weekend, and you think it's this great guy with all kind of muscles like Cristiano Ronaldo, and you think he has this, this long, dark hair, you know, like, like, like Catherine Zeta-Jones, but just like as a man, and he has this pale face, like perfectly shaved, no, he had a beard like this. Sorry for that. I know it's hard, but that's the Bible. Okay, first thing, he's not allowed to cut his hair. Second, he's not allowed to drink or eat from the grapes. He's also not allowed to drink alcohol. The third thing that a Nazarite promised to God that he will never eat anything unclean or touch anything dead like a carcass so these are the three things that samson promised to god he is dedicated to god he's cut away from the ordinary life of the other people dedicated to the will of god doing his will serving his god and god puts his favor on him and blesses him with supernatural power now, as he becomes older, his sexuality becomes alive as well. So this is what we read. Judges 13, 14, verses 1 and 2. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get me her for as my wife. Whoa. Pause for a second. What is Samson doing in Philistine? What is he doing in the city of Timnah? He's not supposed to be there, but he is. And he finds this beautiful-looking woman. And just because she's looking beautiful, he decides he wants to marry her. Now, her parents, his parents, say the following. Next verse. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among our relatives or among our old people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get, me for me, get her for me. She is the right one for me. Or the King James Version says, she pleases me well. Or a German Bible says, she pleases my eyes. Okay, here's this man dedicated to God. But when it comes to his sexuality, when it comes to his marriage, he says, I just pick what I like. I just pick what pleases my eyes. He doesn't ask about the character of this person. He doesn't care about the religious background of this person. He doesn't care what this could lead to because he's a leader of a nation marrying somebody from another nation. He doesn't care about it. He just does it because he wants it, because it fits, it pleases his eyes. So this is how the story continues. 
he wants to marry her. His parents, they try to convince him not to, but he's stronger, and he, they respect his decision. So this is how it continues, Judges 14, verse 5. Samson went down to Timnah again, together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. It's interesting, some translation, they even say that Samson was walking apart from the path. Okay, he's walking with his parents to organize his wedding in Timnah. But as they come closer to the vineyard, all of a sudden, he goes his own way. Checking if his parents are still looking. No, they're not looking anymore. And it's interesting, if you look at this whole story of Samson, it's kind of the author of the story tries to be respectful because this guy is an, a leader, a hero. But at the same time, he's still telling us something between the lines. And they say he was walking apart from the path alone in the vineyard. Remember, he made a promise to God not to eat grapes. What the heck is he doing there? And all of a sudden, there is this lion. Now, I don't know what you usually do when you meet a lion. I heard a story of two men. They are in the jungle. They sit at night around the campfire. And all of a sudden, they hear this roar from the lion. And the one man stands up and said, do you know where my running shoes are? And the other guy says, what, what do you want to do with running shoes? The lion is faster anyway. Come on, we got to run. And he says, I don't need to be faster than the lion. I just need to be faster than you. <laughs> now, what is Samson doing? Next verse. He tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Guys, I have to be honest. I don't understand that verse. He tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Now, I don't know if you have ever torn a young goat. <laughs> I assume the people at that time were a lot stronger than we were. So when they heard the story, they said like, oh, yeah, I know like how to tore a goat. That's easy. Or like a sheep. But whoa, a lion. Okay, that's really amazing. I, don't, I'm, I'm, I have to ask the question when I come to heaven because I don't understand that. Anyway, this is how the question at the story continues. You realize this guy is really strong, right? Whoa, muscles like this. A little later, he goes again to Timnah in order to get Mary's, Judges 14, 8, and 9. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it. But he did, it, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Another pitfall. Another pitfall. It was gluttony, hedonism, food. He's not strong enough. He comes to Tim, and all of a sudden he thinks, oh, the lion. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at it. Remember that excuse? I'm just looking. I'm not touching. I'm just looking. And so he goes away from his parents. Again, he leaves the community. 
he's alone, and he looks at the lion, and all of a sudden he says, ah, there is honey. Mm. I don't know if you like honey. You have to understand, at that time, this was the sweetest thing in the world. There were no lollipops. There were no Haribo, no chewing gum. This was the only really, really sweet stuff that we know today. And he sees this honey. Oh, but he's in the carcass of the lion. And of course, he's not allowed to touch it because it's a carcass. It's unclean. But he doesn't care. He takes the honey. He keeps walking. He meets his parents again. And what is he doing? He gives them some of the honey. But he doesn't tell them where it comes from. And these parents, they loved God. And Samson starts to multiply his sin into the life of the people that he loves. And this is what always happens when we sin. We are multiplying something into the lives around us. Now, they come to Timnah. And as they come to Timnah, the future father-in-law sends 30 Philistine men to party with Samson. Just to party like the end of being a single. So they meet up 30 Philistines and this Nazarite called Samson, supposed to be dedicated to God. And it's interesting how the Bible again tells us what that party probably looked like. Verse 10. Now his father went down to see the woman, and there Samson held a feast as it was customary for young men. <laughs> so it doesn't tell us any details. It just tells us it was a party that was usual for young men meeting and doing a party. And we are not talking about Jewish people. We're talking about Philistine people with totally different moral standards. According to his faith, he was not even allowed to eat at a table with the Philistines at that time. But he doesn't care. He makes a party, a week, a whole week of party. And probably it was more like an orgy of food and alcohol. So after a week of partying, Samson is bored. And he has this great idea, and he comes up with a riddle. Maybe he wants to promise that he's not only stronger than the other guys. Maybe he wants to show off how as smart he is. So he comes up with a riddle, and he remembers his lion, the honey and the lion. And he knows they never find out the story of the lion and the honey. And so this is what he says. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, Something sweet. That's the riddle. It's really cool. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. So he tells them, if you find out what the riddle is, I will give you 30 garments, robes. But if you not find out what the riddle is, you owe me 30 very expensive robes. So... The wedding ceremony starts, and we are talking not about an evening. We are talking about a full week of marriage ceremony. And these guys, they soon realize this riddle is not to be solved. It's not possible. We have absolutely no clue. And Samson knew that. 
He knew that he will win this riddle anyway. So what are these guys doing? They go to the future wife of Samson and put her under pressure. And they are angry at her. They shout at her and they said, you are married to this man. You got us into trouble. So please find out what the solution of this riddle is. So what is this future wife doing at the very first day of the wedding ceremony? She comes and she said, honey, I heard you have a secret. And Samson did, yeah, but it's not for you. Now she says, you don't love me. <laughs> and Samson explained to you, come on, it's just a riddle and it's between guys. And no, if you don't tell me the secret, it means you don't love me. <laughs> so this is the first thing she does in a marriage. She's manipulating her partner. And now this is how the story continues. She keeps doing this the whole week. <laughs> how terrible is this? You're getting married. You're celebrating a week. And the whole time, it says in the Bible, she was sitting in the corner crying. With other words, this stupid, prideful riddle of Samson crashed the whole wedding ceremony. Probably everyone was just mad at Samson thinking, why did you do this? You come up with a riddle which is not to be solved, not possible, and you are messing up with your wife, you're messing up with your family, you're messing up with everyone. You're messing up the whole week. At the last day, Samson gets weak. So he tells her the solution. She goes to this 30 men that celebrated with Samson. They come to Samson and they come up with a solution. They said, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? Now, this is how Samson reacts. He says, if you have not plowed with my heifer, you will not have solved my riddle. Now, a heifer is a young cow. Heifer, heifer, I hope I pronounced it the right way. Okay, here is this young woman that he loved just a little while ago. Now he calls his young lady, his young married woman, a young cow. Guys, just as a little tip, never call your wife a cow. It's not going anywhere. He's so prideful. He's so eager. He wants to win that he calls her a cow. Now this is what he does. He now owes them 30 garments. What is he doing? He goes to the next city. He kills 30 Philistines that had absolutely nothing to do with this riddle. He kills them. He, they take his clothes. He takes their garments and bring it to the guys. What is he doing next? He's so upset with his wife and the whole family. He's not going to his wife, but he's going back to where his parents live, back to the, Judah. Now, what is the, his father-in-law thinking? He's thinking, well, maybe Samson changed his mind. Probably he's not marrying my daughter. So he gives his daughter to a Philistine. A little later, Samson all of a sudden liked to see his wife. He comes back and he finds out that his wife is not his wife anymore. So what is he doing? He's so upset, he says this, verse 3. Samson said to them, this time, I have a right to get even with the Philistines. I will really harm them. Okay, it's really interesting. He says, I have the right 
to get even, I will really harm them. Now, who started this whole mess? It was him. It was Samson. Now, all of a sudden, he's playing the victim. He says, oh, I just have to get right with them. I have the right to kill them. So what is he doing? He takes 300 foxes. He binds two together. He attaches fire to their tails. And these foxes run all over the country. Soon, all of the country around the vineyards and, and the fields and the forest, everything was under fire. Everything was destroyed. What are the Philistines doing next? They come back, they kill the ex-wife of Samson and their father. What is Samson doing? He promises to avenge himself. He goes back and kills all of the men that were involved in this conflict. Okay, it's really getting messy. All right? So what are the Philistines doing next? They assemble 1,000 soldiers and they go to Judah and they say, give us Samson because we're really angry at that guy. Now the Jewish people, they come to, to Samson and say, please, come on, you have to help us. You have to rescue us. Please just surrender and, and, and get caught by them so we are getting out of the trouble that actually you caused. And so he does. They put him into vessels they take him away, but as soon as he is alone with the 1,000 soldiers, he tears apart and he kills 1,000 Philistine with his bare hand. And how does it all start? It started with him seeing a woman that he liked with his eyes. And he just wanted. And then he comes up with a stupid riddle, and all of this leads to this mess. And it's really interesting. After he killed 1,000 people, he sings a song. Normally, if you see a song in the Bible, it's a song of praise to God. But this time, it's different. This is the song that Samson sang after his victory. With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a 1,000 men. Now, if you kill 1,000 guys with your bare hand, you know it's not your power. Samson absolutely knew who gave him this victory. Samson absolutely knew this was a miracle. This was God helping him, even if he made so many mistakes. But what is he doing after it? He is celebrating himself. He said, oh, I'm the great guy, sha-la-la-la, sing a praise of worship to me. <laughs> he still doesn't remember where this whole power, where this whole authority came from. And from there, this whole story of Samson goes down and down and down. And next week, Nick will talk how this story continues. But I just want to show you one picture that shows the very end of Samson. They stole his eyes, they spit at him, they laughed at him, and in the end he was such a mess that he killed himself. But not only himself, but he also killed 3,000 men. The story of Samson reminds me of O.J. Simpson. I don't know if you know this guy. O.J. Simpson was a football star 
He was at his time the best football player ever. He won more touchdown than any other guy before. But you probably, if you hear this name, O.J. Simpson, you're not thinking about the football player. You're not thinking about his success, but you probably think about the next picture. He was arrested because he killed his wife. Because he's killed his wife out of anger and pride. And when we see anything in the newspaper today, we see this picture. An old man spent most of the time in jail or in the courthouse, broken. Nobody talks about his success anymore. Nobody talks about his strength anymore. Nobody talks about his authority. Everybody talks just about this. And for me, this whole life of Samson is a warning. And it's challenging me to not put my trust into my gifts, to not put my trust into the outer world, to not put my trust in my bank account, in my career, in my relationships, in the people I know. This whole story tells us that in the end, our character, our inner world is so much more important. You know, for me, it's a challenge that this, this man ends up in the Bible. It makes me a little angry because I see such, so many mistakes in his life. So I'm thinking, God, why is he a hero? And he's even called a hero in the New Testament. But the question is, who am I? Who am I that God gave me these gifts? Who am I that God is blessing me? Who am I that God helps me? I did not deserve anything. I did not deserve anything. Let's bow our head. Father God, I come with humility. When I hear the story of Samson, it makes me so humble. Because I realize there are things in my life that are weak too. There are things in my character that are not a song of praise to you. There are things that are still weak, things that are still full of sin. That still belong to this old flesh. Things that do not give you glory. And tonight I come and I ask for forgiveness. And I ask for healing. And Holy Spirit, I ask you in Jesus' name that you might put on the light into our minds, into our hearts right now. Because I believe the stories are very different in this room. And maybe even the area of sin or the area of character is very different. Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak loud and clear to my brothers and sisters right now. Let's just remain a, a minute of silence. And please allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you.
God, I thank you so much that you gave your own son, that you went to the cross, sacrificed your own life to redeem me, to pay the price of death so that I might be free, free forever. And tonight I just stretch out my arms and I ask you for this power of resurrection. I pray for this power of resurrection over my life and over every life that is sitting here tonight. God, I ask for breakthroughs in your name. I ask for healing in your name. I ask for transformation in your name. I ask for restores relationships, restored sexuality, restored finances, restored relationships in your name. I give you all the praise, Jesus. Amen.